Hello, fans of all ages. Welcome to the first episode of the Exit Law Podcast, powered by BackSportsPage.com. I am Ryan Morick. I am alongside Adam Cohen and Christian Caranta, a.k.a. Q for short. Uh, we are starting this podcast because we want to talk about baseball. It is something that us three have wanted to do. It's going to be us three. We also have Jared Zero with BSP. We have Henry Winklehick with BSP. And we have a lot of other guys joining us from the site who are just going to be talking baseball with you guys. We've wanted to do this for a little while now. We wanted to do it in the offseason. Jared and I and Henry and I, we actually talked a little bit during the postseason. I think we did some previews of both championship series and the World Series. Admittedly and regretfully, it died down for a little bit. But now that it's 2020, we want to get this thing back up and running. We have missed a lot of big signings, but we're going to make sure that we are done missing breaking news. Uh, but before we get into what we want to talk about, and we got a lot to talk about, just a quick introduction of myself. I'm Ryan Morick. I've been involved with Backsports Page for upwards of about four years now. I've known Randy for just about that time. We met at a class at our alma mater, Ramapo College of New Jersey in Mawa. We did a lot of work on WRPR 90.3 together, and I decided to hop on board with his site, Backsports Page, and I have done a lot in regards to baseball and football for the most part. Uh, Randy has helped me out a lot. I know he's helped out you guys a lot. And I'll let you guys introduce yourselves, talk about what you guys have done with the site, talk about who you've spoken with. I know both of you guys have really cool experience that I've also done in the past. So uh, Q, I'll start with you. Why don't you talk about what you've done with the site, how long you've been here, etc. My name is Christian Quaranta. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I've worked with Randy and Backpage Sports for over a year now. I've covered the Mets. I've covered the Jets. I've done WWE. I basically cover a myriad of sports. I don't like to be one-faceted, and I literally love to do what I do. I cover sports, and I can't be more blessed to say that I do this for a living, and I want to make a career out of this, and I want to give you the material that you want to hear. And I've covered, you know, the Mets. Basically, I predicted Pete Alonso becoming the Rookie of the Year, and I also uh, interviewed Carmella, our truth and uh, I had some intake on the Jets, which, you know... The Jets are the Jets and the Mets are the Mets, so what can you do? You can only cover it and hopefully they get better, so I'm going to take it to Adam right now. Hi guys, I'm Adam Cohen. I'm from Manhattan, New York, and I've worked with Bat Sports Page since last February. Over that time, I have created the single most baseball content on the Bat Sports Page website. I have also interviewed uh, Hideki Matsui at his Hideki Matsui Baseball Clinic at the Staten Island Yankee Stadium. And I have also been behind the scenes as a reporter at Yankee Stadium where I interviewed Rowdy Telez and Thomas Pannone. Yeah, you got, like I said, you guys have had a lot of the same experiences that I had. I remember going to Matsui's clinic about a year and a half ago or so. And you mentioned Pete Alonzo. I got a chance to talk to Pete Alonzo during spring training with my job with the New York Mets. So if you guys do have anyone to thank about Pete Alonzo's Rookie of the Year campaign, you have me and Q to thank. Uh, we're still waiting for the thank you. You can thank us whenever you please. That's my <laughs> But um, let's get into what we want to talk about. And this 
news has been boiling and boiling and boiling, and it looks like it's finally going to explode pretty soon. At least that's what the reports are saying. The Astros have been involved with a crazy cheating scandal, especially in the year it's most notorious in their 2017 World Series championship year, where they were getting signs from a camera out in center field, and everyone knows about the trash cans in the dugout. Two bangs, it was a curveball. One bang was a fastball. I think everyone knows that by now. But now, it, it, it kind of cooled down. The news came out that everything's about to break. And then we just get news, guys, that the 2018 Boston Red Sox, who won 108 games in the regular season, ran through everyone in the postseason, including the defending champion, Houston Astros. I think they only lost three games in the postseason, if I remember correctly. I think they lost one game in each round. But they are now getting heavily investigated. We will talk about Alex Cora because he is involved in both teams. Bench coach with the Astros in 2017. Manager with the Red Sox in 2018. We're going to get into all of that. But Adam, I'll start with you. All three of us are baseball players or semi-retired baseball players. Whatever you want to call it. No matter what though, we've been around the game for a long time. And sign stealing has always been a thing. But we have never seen anything like what we're about to see in the next couple of weeks. And you're totally right, Ryan. Baseball stealing has been around for quite some time, dating back to 1951. And the shot heard around the world from Bobby Thompson and the pitcher Ralph Brank of the Los, sorry, then Brooklyn Dodgers. There was a sign stealing incident and one of the most famous home runs in baseball history. And everyone kind of did it, you know, unremotely without technology for some time, but now it's very scary because every team can have a camera guy in the outfield and zoom in on the catcher's crotch and, you know, find out the pitches about fastball or curveball. And it's really scary that every team has the power to do this. And we heard about the Astros, then we heard about the Red Sox, possibly the Yankees too. So this could be some big unraveling scandal that we are getting into right now. It's going to get wild. And, I mean, it, it used to be the simple... If you're standing on second base, if you, I'll tell you what I was taught. If you were on second base, you held out your fist, that was a fastball. If your, if your palm was showing to the batter when you were standing on second base, that was a curveball. But now Christian, or sorry, Christian Q, I'm going to get it confused. Q, <laughs> Q I got you. <laughs> My bad. But, um, but, but just like Adam said, I mean, it, it has been a thing for such a long time. But don't people understand that they're going to get caught? I mean, how many scandals have we seen with steroids and spitballs and, and cutting up baseballs when you're on the mound? These guys don't think they're going to get caught? People want to win. When I played, I played at a high level. I played in the same division as Batantis. He played for Grand Street Campus. I played for James Madison High School in Brooklyn. We were taught basically to steal signs when we could, but we didn't have to use equipment. We used our brains. We used, you know, patterns and rhythms. And if you were not complex enough to make a series of signs that's indiscernible, you know, we would steal your signs. And we would know when you're stealing. And we would know when you're throwing a curveball. And honestly, the fact that people want to win so bad that they'll use technology now to circumvent winning the right way, I don't know what's worse, steroids or this. I mean, it, it's tough. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's such a weird subject, too, because everyone has a different opinion. 
you see a lot of people say, if you steal signs at all, even during the game, you're, you're being a disgrace to the sport. Personally, I disagree. I think if you can figure out what's coming to you, you, you then that's your fault for not being able to hide it. But I do think once technology gets in the way, you're crossing a line. But this is another scenario when we don't really know the details of the whole investigation. Again, it's going to come out. But Adam, let's say like we know that football teams watch tape. I think that what if you have a guy filming a coach giving signs for your upcoming series? Let's say the Yankees play against the Astros. Uh, in ne next week at the stadium. Are you going to, if someone's recording a coach from previous games that you're not even involved in, is that crossing a line or is crossing the line only stealing signs live through technology? I would say both, both times are crossing the line. And it's so easy to do because you can hire this intern, some, some nobody or just whoever you want, essentially just, Go into the dugout and just look at the video, find out the sign. You had some coders in there. I mean, what's the fun of it, honestly? What is the fun of it? Just, you know, watching it through technology. What about, like, when we all grew up and we all played baseball and we had to decode the signs, like, right there, right then, no technology. And if we were able to figure out, then fair game. And now technology coming in the way, it takes away kind of that, like, untold rule of Facebook, that kind of Bush League rule, and now technology in the way, anybody can do it, and it's so easy to. This is probably, like I said, more than the Astros, more than the Red Sox, probably more than the Yankees. This could be every single team, because every team's trying to get the edge, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. I have to say, it took away the artistry of, of stealing signs the right way. Honestly, I used to get a sick pleasure out of stealing other team signs, because I got the upper hand on them, I figured them out, and they needed to upgrade their signs, basically. And then it's easier to get in their heads also. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I know when, you know, you're stealing, if I'm the catcher or second baseman, I play in center field, I would relay, you know, when I picked up signs to my middle infielders all the time. Because, you know what? If you can't, you know, get the right method of conveying signs to your team, then we're going to take advantage of you. It's that simple. But I'm not going to use an Apple Watch. I'm not going to use a camcorder. I'm not going to use, a, you know, anything, basically. I'm going to use my brain and I'm going to use my skills. And that's what's been lost. I think any time you use technology, and even the example, the, the hypothetical example that I mentioned, if you're filming a coach at all, I think that's crossing a line. Now, I don't even know for sure if there are set rules in place because, again, Everyone has an opinion, and I hate to do this. I hate comparing my 18 and up men's league level of play to, to professional baseball, but when I pitched against these, these like, uh, we're washed up baseball players. When I pitched against these guys, though, my catcher would come up to me and say, these guys are, these guys have our signs. They have your, they know when you're going to go to the mound when you, like, you look back at them at second base twice, and then you look straight. That's when they know to steal, like so on and so forth. Everyone has an opinion on sign stealing. Personally, if you know what's coming against me, then I, I know I have to do a better job. But 
uh, aside from all the opinions and everything, I want to get into what we think is a fair punishment. And this will tie along the lines with Alex Cora, too, previously mentioned. He's involved with both teams. So I personally think that he might get double whatever an AJ Hintz gets or a Jeff Lunau gets. But it's going to be very confusing because, again, we don't even know what's against the rules and what's not. But I guess to start, Adam, what do you think is a fair punishment? Because this is going to be something, and we have been hearing that it's going to be hard. It's very, it's very difficult to say what this punishment will to be. To be, to be honest, I don't really even know what type of punish, punishment there should be. I mean, Alex Cora is a very special case because he was on the 2017 Astros and the 2018 Red Sox. So I agree with you. There should be like kind of almost like some special penalty for him. At the same time, MLB is almost kind of taking the stance where like players, especially, are not liable to what happened. And they might even do that for direct guys, like manager and GM too. It might just be like the highest guys in the front office because who knows where they're telling that from. They could be from the owners themselves or even higher ups than GM. So it's very, it's be very interesting to see who complies, what information they're gonna get. And this is gonna be the most extensive report in baseball history, like reported from Ken Rosenthal. They have like 78,000 documents on this already. And they have not been doing this for a very long time. Probably like what's what less than six months or so. Yeah, just a, this broke right around the World Series. I remember baseball was upset that the the story was the Astros cheating and they were being in the World Series. Not the fact that they were just in it. So, but but, but I like what you said before about having like a random intern just bang a trash can. If you come up to me and we're we're all young guys you're a freshman in school adam i'm 24 i think you and i are the same age are we too. yeah we're, we're both 24 years old a little bit but but we're all trying to get our foot in the door if someone comes up to you and i say this about steroids too because you mentioned steroids before q if someone tells you bang on this trash can and you're going to win a ring you're gonna do it yeah, if someone yeah. tells you take this magic pill and you are getting $200 million guaranteed, you're going to do it. And also, everyone else is doing it too. So it's like, if I'm not doing it, I'm behind the eight ball, which is why the whole steroid era has to be looked at in that scope. Because, you know, a lot of people were doing it, and if you weren't doing it, those players should get, you know, a lot more prestige and everything like that. But, like I said, steroids was... Part of the game, but videotaping signs was never part of the game. That's where this, you know, intersects a little bit. And I think that the punishment should be harsh. I think Alex Cora should get a year-long ban, if not two years, because I'll take it back to even farther. Pete Rose is betting on himself, and he's gone in the whole thing forever. He can never make it. And honestly, I don't want apples and oranges type of thing, but I think... Cora cheated a lot more than Pete Rose did, and Pete Rose is you know ostracized, and you know in MLB. So I have to say a year or two year ban. 
Yeah, it's such a weird comparison, and I'll get into my punishment also, but going back to the whole steroids thing, I also don't think steroid punishments are, are nearly as harsh as they should be, because again, guys are cashing out. Look at a guy like, like Melky Cabrera, who, really good ball player, cashed out, got his big contract, got suspended 80 games, and the rest of his contract is guaranteed with, with no issues, and there are... A bunch of other guys that, that I can count to, but that would literally be an entire episode. I think that if you get suspended from steroids, you should get some of your contract taken away. Definitely, but look at a guy like A-Rod. I think they like making examples of certain people, but they don't like making a whole regiment of punishment, which is the big problem. They like, you know, like a, the judicial system. They like making the celebrity the big, you know, the face of mm -hmm. the punishment. But, you know, what did A-Rod get? 162 games? He got the... Well, originally he got the end of the 2013 season and the 2014 season. He appealed, and then he was able to play out 2013, and then he played out uh, the 2014 season. But that's a really good point that you made. What's the first punishment for a failed drug test? Half a season. What did they do with A-Rod? First-time offender... Full season, and we see we see it in all sports. We've seen we were talking before uh, Q and I about Miles Garrett. We saw a guy on the Texans, I can't remember who, but he did exactly what Miles Garrett did a few years ago and got suspended two games. Miles Garrett. You're thinking about um, when uh, so so stomped on someone's face. Was it so? Yeah, it, it was yeah. either that or, or I think I thought Richie Incognito. I don't think Incognito, Richie, Incognito was a bully, and which is it was like cerebral bullying, yeah. which is like a whole other thing. And it was borderline racism, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. So there are a lot, a lot of bad things yeah. out there. Yeah, but I remember Miles Garrett, he had the appeal, and he showed the NFL the video of someone else swinging their helmet, and we only got two games, and Miles Garrett probably going to get ten. The season just ended, and he missed, I guess it was the last five or so games, and he's already suspended the next four. I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh, and now going back to this scandal, again, any punishment is it's just going to be made up. But with that being said, since this is the first time that we've seen something like this, I think that it's better for baseball to overpunish rather than, no pun intended, swing and a miss. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I feel like, Adam, there's no such thing as too harsh of a punishment in this case because of how rare and big this is. Yeah, MLB has complete and free range of their punishment. And I agree with you. I think the harsher the punishment, the better. And we can definitely see some lifetime bans in this too, especially for higher-ups. Maybe not so much players or managers or even GMs, but we're definitely going to see some lifetime bans in this. And I think you have to set a precedent right here, right now. I mean, unlike the steroid era, and it's a little bit different too, different too because MLB turned a blind eye they knew exactly what was going on with me. Look at Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame and tell me not that's that's not ridiculous because of he was the yeah. manufacturer of all that, trying to help baseball out as it just came off the strike. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it's funny how uh, hypocritical is harsh, but uh, I guess it's somewhat the truth. Personally, I want to see a postseason ban. And I know that this is a touchy subject because you, you screw over the fans. But you know what? And you're going to get money in the... I mean, 
Actually, I, I might not be accurate on this. I think a lot of people, like, you and I are Yankee fans, and I think the Mets are going to be very good this year. Well, I'm, so. I'm I mean, also biased because I work for them. Yes. But, uh, but, aside, but aside from the point, a lot of good teams, especially in big markets, and Houston is a big market, New York is a big market, the, the, the Dodgers, people go to these regular season games because they're, because they're good and they're going to make the postseason. So if you laid down the hammer on the Red Sox and the Astros and said, you're not making the postseason, I really wonder how that affects attendance in the regular season. And again, I think you are screwing over the fans, but you, you know what? You have to come down with something and I, I would absolutely feel for the fans if the, if God forbid this happened to the Yankees and you know what a lot of teams probably do this and we're probably going to see a lot of punishments that we're not expecting at all if this happened to the Yankees and I had season tickets to the Yankees last year primarily because I thought that they were going to make it to the World Series you get World Series tickets at a face value instead of paying Quadruple <laughs> on StubHub, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I'm a season ticket holder, knowing that I'm not going to an October game, why would I renew my season tickets? You wouldn't, because because it's it's pointless. Just one thing, I know you like debating. What would the Red Sox then play for the whole season if they had a play you play you play to play play to play you play to play and what if they you know won 100 games? Sorry, too bad. That's- yeah, I agree. I just then why playing. are you cheating? Like then then, like then why are you on your Apple Watch? Why are you on your trash exactly. can? I like playing devil's advocate. You're 100 percent right. I'm just saying, it, it would just be eerie to see a team playing. I think they did it in college football. Didn't a team get? Yeah, Penn State. Penn State um, got and, and Penn like again, we were talking about this before. It's a touchy subject because you hurt a team that had like. Think about the 19-year-old kids on Penn State who were getting punished for something that happened in the 70s. I thought that was a little bit out there. But nonetheless, something had to be done. And you know what? Uh, You you play – I mean, losing – teams don't care about draft picks. Why do you care? Like, whoever you pick isn't going to come up in six or seven years. World Series draft pick. World Series or draft pick. Seriously. (laughs) Which one are you going to choose? Um, weird subject to talk about because, again, we have never seen anything like this, but something is going to come down in the very near future. Um, but the, the next subject that we want to talk about, I'm not sure how, how long we're... We're, oh, we're doing good. We're around 23 minutes right about now. All right. No, that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, the next topic that we wanted to go over is some of the rule changes that have been going on in baseball. Some we think are good, some we think are bad, but the first one that I want to talk about, which I think is, I'm not going to say unanimous, but widely, widely unliked is the three batter rule with relief pitchers. We've been talking about it. It's pretty much a rule that will go into effect starting this year. Um, they say that in an effort to speed up the pace of the game, which it, we're going uh, to talk about it because you can't talk about pace of game and not mention any other rule change ever, but they want to speed up the game by limiting the amount of bullpen visits that you have and the amount of changes that you have for a pitcher within an inning. So any reliever must fit, it, that comes in in the beginning of an inning, barring injury or illness, I think it was, they have to go with three batters. 
I don't like it because baseball has been – I understand some small changes here and there. But if you're a manager, and one guy that comes to mind is Della Patances. Definitely, definitely. If he – like, we know right away when Patances is on and when he's off. I've seen Patances throw 11 straight balls before. We're going to be forced to do it now because you have to face three batters, but there are guys where you know right away that don't have it. And we all agree that we like the strategy of, of, of baseball, but this kind of takes away a strategy and it forces you to, for lack of a better term, suck. If, if, worse, if worse comes to worse. There's a couple of things you got to consider here. MLB... Is, is weighing a couple of things. They're weighing, well, do we want to still see the strategy, which I kid you not, probably a lot of baseball fans don't care about too much, the average fans. Not fans like us, but yeah. the average fans, someone who just turn on their TV, lights the Yankees, wants to watch it for a half hour, not going to watch it for the three-hour game, and they realize, oh, shoot, five minutes or ten minutes of my time is going to be commercials and relievers coming back in. So do they want strategy, or do they want you know less commercial breaks? And personally... And I think most people should agree with this. They should go for strategy. Because it's so nuanced and it's so interesting. Because, look, you could have someone like, remember Chris Young? Mm -hmm. Killed lefties. What do you want Tommy Malone to face him? Or Jerry Blevins to face him? Mm -hmm. No, you want to do a right-on-right -right mashup. Because you don't want him to crush lefties. I mean, his splits are ridiculous. And there's so many players like this, too. And it's not only Batances who has off days. Every pitcher has off days. And sometimes yeah. you just got to get them out of there. Because that's going to cost your team victories, and that's what we're going to see. And it's funny, too, because they say this wants to speed up the game. What's going to speed up the game more? A guy who can't throw a strike and is getting tattooed and or can't find the strike zone, or you see a guy who clearly doesn't have it, walks the first batter, gets taken out, the next guy comes in, first pitch, 6-4-3 double play, end of the inning. You're not so, – like – I've always said this about baseball. They have the right mindset in terms of fixing the pace of play. They just don't know how. And everything that they come up with, Q, is not the answer. Not everyone can be Josh Hadar. Not yeah. everyone can go two, three innings. I loved growing up the strategy of managers seeing a righty, a lefty coming up, and knowing, hey, the double switch is in my possession. And honestly, if you don't like waiting, maybe get a little cart and drive them out faster to the, to the mound. Because I know people hate when they walk up and, you know, pitcher changes happen. But there can be ways to circumvent that. But when Mariano Rivera, when uh, Enter Sandman came on and he's running out there, people weren't complaining. But the thing is, people need to realize how many games were affected by this in the past championships, pennants were literally decided by this. Andrew Miller, a guy like that, will be affected by this. Just like you said, Blevins comes right to mind. Trying to think in the Yankees aspect. The, the, the Yankees might have lost the division series this year against Minnesota had it not been for this rule. Adam Adovino was not himself. Yes. I think he only, how many batters? He, I don't think he faced anything more than five batters. I think he walked three. And Adam Adovino does have walking struggles, I get it. And which leads me to saying a guy like Adam Adovino, who 
averages, his strikeout per walk ratio is not very good. His ERA is great. His stuff is nasty, and he gets guys to chase. He gets guys to chase outside of the zone. But if you know what he's throwing, and you need Adam Ottavino to give you the last out of the sixth inning and a one, two, three, seventh, but he can't find the zone, Aaron Boone is screwed. So you always have to have someone ready. Which, uh, again, I understand what they're trying to do but it's just the it's just the wrong answer and we'll talk about we'll go to another rule that i don't know if you guys knew this but they're, they're everything with the pitch clock pitch clock pitch clock mm. pitch clock pitch clock i don't know if you guys know this there's already a rule in place that a pitcher has to throw a pitch in 12 seconds 24. is it 20 i think it's 20. either way i'll fact check that one second fact check it but, on. I, but mm. I remember seeing that the pitch clock was longer than whatever the than the rule already in place was. It was either 12 and 20 or 20 and 25. 20 seconds it is. 20 seconds. With, well, no, with the pitch no. clock. With the pitch clock, but you are right. Already stipulates the pitcher must deliver a pitch within 12 seconds. So what the hell do we have a pitch clock for? Yeah, it's, it's, re it's redundant. Yeah, you're right. I guess. <laughs> they, they're trying so hard, but they're changing America's pastime. Some people love baseball. For what it is, strategy. They don't want to speed up the game as much. We have to speed it up somewhat because America's a country where we like living fast. We like football. We like basketball. You know, these sports, bang, bang, things happen. Baseball's more of like, oof. It's like golf, sort of. Ooh, that's strategy that, you know, he really thought ahead. The mm -hmm. manager really played chess there. That's what I loved about baseball, and I feel like a lot of people around the country feel the same exact way. And the thing, but the thing is, guys, we are not Rob Manfred's target audience anymore. We're gonna watch baseball no matter what happens. We've seen strikeouts and home runs rise immensely, and the and base hits and bunts and sacrifices and suicide squeeze and stolen bases. Remember those days? Love Remember it. a freaking stolen base? When the so hell was the last time you saw a stolen base? Oh, I loved it. But we are not their target audience anymore. But I just... Uh, what the, the good thing that this does, which is baseball's big problem in terms of the pace of play, and I will give baseball credit for this in terms of the, the bullpen will change. It does take away some, not all, but it does take away some of the okay there's this is the second bullpen change of the inning let me check what's going on in the bachelor let me yes. check on what's going on in the bucks and sixers eastern <laughs> eastern conference finals let me check what happened in american idol like that's so true that's what it does get rid of which i'll give credit for but i don't know if i'm sorry to put you on the spot like this so quickly adam but do you think there's any perfect solution to anything outside of shortening games, starting with a one-and-one one count. Is there anything that the league can do to not change the game or the strategy too much and shave off, I mean, I don't even know what, like, what's the difference between three hours and two hours and 50 minutes, but do you think there's anything that they can do? And don't be afraid to say no, because there might not be. I don't even think there's a perfect answer to anything. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's really no perfect solution. I, I do want to go back to what you said a couple minutes ago when you said, we are not MLB's target audience anymore. So that leads to the question, who is their target audience? The, the, ten, the five-year-old kid who's going to watch a slow game? Those are people who are not into it. It's like it comes from like family. It comes from tradition. It comes from strategy, from understanding that strategy. They're probably kicking away all the you know grandparents, the, boom, the boomers, the people who watched baseball in the 50s where Ebbets Field was still around. They're kicking away those guys who have never wanted pitch clocks, never wanted automated umpires, never wanted anything like that. And then you brought the Ebbets Field this Stadium, is cool. too. This is cool. My grandma lived a block away from Ebbets Field and said she met Gil Hodges in the deli. He was buying cigarettes. They used to live around the field. She said when the Dodgers... On, on Franklin home, Avenue? On Franklin Avenue. That's where my girlfriend used to live. I was a block away from Ebbets Field. If you walk past it now, you would never think of baseball uh, stadiums. It's a trash stand there. She said, um, basically, whenever you would hit a home run to score, you would know it because... The stadium would electrify. You would hear it. You wouldn't even have to listen to the game. <laughs> you would know if they won or lost. Yeah, yeah. But that is a good point that you bring up. I mean, I, I think their target audience is, I don't want to say youth, because I think that one's parents can get someone into a game. Ultimately, the kid, the, the kid himself is going to figure out if it's boring or, or not. But I, I, we're all baseball fans, and we said this before the before the podcast started. We all understand why people think baseball is boring. It is a slow sport, and I hate the it's a smart person sport. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Like we'll we'll rock with that for a little bit, but it is slow, and baseball does need to do a better job of getting this game to go quickly. But what they need to really start cracking down on, in my opinion, not pitchers who stink because that's a direct correlation of the scoreboard. What they need to crack down on is – that's why I thought the mound visits was a, was a good idea Definitely. at first. Even though it shaved off maybe 24 seconds of the game, I'm sure that really brought in millions of people. But what they need to crack down is the guys stepping out of the batter's box to yes. fix their batting gloves every three seconds. What they need to get rid of is got is pitchers stepping off the pitcher's mound every three and a half seconds and, and fixing the and, and touching the rosin bag. These are the things that they really need to start cracking down on. And I know that they have, but a slap on the wrist, too many slaps on the wrist, these guys make way too much money to just get more slaps on the wrist. You want to pause that real quick? Well, basically, what you were saying happened right, right to me at a Mets game. It was a double switch. They brought out the pitchers, and my girlfriend lost interest. She's a big hockey fan. She loves the Rangers, and I make this argument with her all the time. She says baseball is boring. I think hockey's right up there with baseball and boringness. But you know what? To each their own. <laughs> but like you said, with the Bachelor, she took out her phone. And she started watching Big Brother, whatever she watches, and that's fine. But the demographic I think they're trying to, you know, reach is ages about 20 to 40 that love football, love basketball, are spending their money, who are spending big money going to games, you know what I mean? Who literally, I don't think it's the kids because if they wanted to target kids, they should target getting them to play the game at a young age because then they develop the love. 
the strategy, the know-how of the game. And then they go to the game, they see their idols, and they see, you know, everything that goes into it. They see the strategy that they played with in their own game. And just on the topic of strategy, too, I actually disagree with you about the mound visits and, like, pitchers touching their rods and back and the batter stepping out. Because, you know, we've all played baseball here. I know not to the extent as a professional, but not even close, really. But... <laughs> Is, but, like, tell me not, it was always nice to just, like, undo your batting gloves. Have a second to think about the last pitch. Hmm, he really peppered that fastball in the outside corner. What pitch is he going to throw next? The pitcher touching the Rosbeck. Man, my hands are a bit dry. i got to get more oomph in that curveball right now. Let me let me take a moment to just rest. I mean, when I, you see on the TV and you see the batters thinking, or Evan Longoria would always say, like, a couple words to himself every time he was hit. It's important for that. That's part of the strategy, too. That's part of the strategy you hardly ever see in a game or not even on TV. Ritualistic baseball is what you're saying. Right. I get what you're saying. But how, uh, here's my argument to that. Get him. How many, times, <laughs> how many times do we hear the phrase, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports, right? Are we really in the batter's box watching a pitch? And this is with 74-mile-an-hour fastballs. These guys are seeing 98, 99 consistently. Are these guys saying to themselves in the batter's box, hmm, it looks good. Eh, I don't know. Oh, wait, never mind. Let me swing at this pitch. I get what you're saying, that baseball is constantly a thinking sport, and you want to be as comfortable as possible. But is it really necessary to step away from the batter's box every after every pitch and fix your batting gloves is it really necessary for you to take 19 practice swings we know how to swing a friggin bat we've done it our entire lives i could pick up a bat right now and i would at least get one into the outfield even though i haven't swung a bat in almost two years like i'm uh, you're I'm pretty a, big i'm at halfway decent. Track, I, eh, I used to i used to be able to but like we're all halfway decent athletes and these guys it, it's it's muscle memory to them i i feel like Again, you're right. They're constantly thinking about something, but I think it's so quick and so subconscious. Like, no one is going to tell themselves a novel, make sure you sit back on your back foot, step, s s break the glass and squish the bug. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't, we don't need they're to dead. tell ourselves that anymore. You know what I mean? You make a great point. Don't get me wrong, because I agree with you to an extent. But I do think that Baseball players are, are quick thinkers. And you know what? It goes back to the sign stealing, honestly. Take a quick peek at take a two-second look into a dugout. And then you figure out and then you figure out what's coming. I'm gonna end it with this. I agree with both of you. To each his own, but I think baseball is a little too ritualistic, and I think it comes from a young age because they watch the players, they idolize. And they watch them doing this, and it breeds generations and a culture that, you know, fix their batting gloves, step out every three seconds, and it just creates the same cycle. And I think that, truly, it doesn't really matter, but it's all in your head. It's kind of, what's the word for it? It's, it's, uh, there's like premonitions in baseball. There's like, you, th you think things matter that actually don't. Like when you don't. It's paranoia. Baseball is a paranoia. It's a jump over sport. the foul line. You know, and the, the, you know what I mean? Yep. Like that, like stuff like that. You better jump over the foul line. Don't you dare touch that white line. Yeah, superstition. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I feel like baseball is superstition dominated. And listen, if you believe in superstition, that's fine. But I don't think that's something we should be targeting. There are other aspects of the game that we could. 
And I think people that do like to, you know, mess around with their batting gloves, if they do it a little too much, they might get one high and inside. That's about it. You, you know, know what I'm going to ask you right now, right? What was your superstition? Oh, mine? <laughs> I play with my cup a little bit too much, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Adam, you have one or no? Or had one? I don't think I really ever had one. I mean, I think I just follow, like, the white line rule because my, some teammate of mine would yell from, like, a distance, like, don't step on that white line. You cost us a game or something. In the infield, don't do it. It's like my OCD where, like, everything has to be neat. If you touch it on the, on the outfield, like, I won't like it, but, like, at least you won't mess up the... At least you won't mess up the white. I'm trying to think if I... I really can't think of any off the top of my head, or like even in golf. Like, do I have any in golf? You probably hit your head on the dugout when you were coming in. You know what I mean? I've I've probably done that. I was always one of the taller ones. And I wouldn't call that a wanted superstition that I made sure I did all the time. It was always an accident. But that's gonna do it for the first episode of the Exit Velo Podcast. Ryan Morick, Adam Cohen, and Christian Q. Coranta out here in Brooklyn. We got a lot of stuff coming for you guys. We have six divisions to give you some predictions on, give you some analysts on, and give you some late off-season trade acquisitions, free agent acquisitions, whatever the case may be. But we have 30 teams that we want to talk about, six divisions and two leagues that we are dying to give you some content on. So please stay tuned to Back Sports page, whether if it's the three of us, the two of Jared and Henry, we're going to have a lot of guys hop on in the near future. So don't go anywhere. Make sure you stay tuned in. Keep your eyes out. And as always, we'll see you next time.